You know, sometimes in basketball officiating, you come across officials whom you simply enjoy being around. My guest today, Joe Allen of Wauseon, Ohio, is one of those officials. Thanks for joining me today for episode 18 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Joe has been a high school basketball official for 18 seasons. He is a member and basketball secretary of the 5th District Officials Association in Northwest Ohio and has officiated in five Final Four state tournaments and had one just postponed last season. He is also the head cross-country coach and head track coach at Wauseon High School, where he has sent many athletes to the state tournament and has won multiple Northwest Ohio Athletic League titles. In this podcast, you'll hear Joe provide some interesting ways to look at officiating. You'll hear some funny stories about how he inadvertently left his car running for multiple hours while he officiated a basketball game. And also hear an embarrassing situation when he told a coach about a player's fifth foul. <laughs> and you'll understand why Joe is a well-respected basketball official in Ohio. This podcast is provided week in and week out because of the support from our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and its owner and fellow basketball official, Matt Kearns. Please visit pq-2.com and learn more about PQ2 LLC. And if you would like to become a sponsor of a segment of this podcast, please contact me at markfralick at hotmail.com. As Christmas approaches, if you are in the gift-giving mood, I'd just ask that you please consider giving a gift to help support this podcast. You can go to anchor.fm backslash mark dash and click on the support button. From there, you can make a one-time gift or you can utilize the various monthly options. And I thank you in advance for the gift. You know, getting back to Joe, not only is he a very good basketball official, but he's an even better husband to his wife, Jen, and father to his four children. And through basketball officiating, he's also become one of my best friends. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick. And today's guest is really special to me, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, because we do have a, a really good friendship. And um, so, Joe, I just want to welcome you to uh, this episode of the show. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. I, I look forward to doing this um, and hopefully being able to share some of the wisdom that I've garnered from you know all the officials who have helped me along the way. Yeah, as as you look at your career uh, so far in the 18 years, um, we we look at some of your special accomplishments like the state tournament. Um, but I also want to talk a little bit about your high school coaching success as the cross country coach and track coach at Wauseon. Uh You've had some really good success there as well. Talk a little bit about uh, about that coaching and really how it kind of has helped you maybe in your officiating. Well. I, I've been blessed. I've had some very good athletes um, in both cross country and in, in track. And uh, I've coached track for 18 years and just like I've officiated basketball for 18 years. And I tell you what, uh, I've learned a lot about, A, from basketball officiating on how I want to treat 
others and coaches. And and uh, when I don't hit the standards that I I've set, um, I, I obviously am disappointed in myself. Um, you know, I had a, a situation I think it was two years ago, and and you know I, I ended up talking to my wife about it on what to do. Where I ended up yelling at at and basically a, a meet official uh, at a cross country meet because of something that happened. And I felt awful. I felt awful. Maybe I was justified. Maybe I wasn't. But really, to act unsportingly like I did there um, is never justified. And, and the, the integrity that I had, I, you know, it's one of those kind of things, Mark. I think when you feel guilty, it's because you don't live up to the standards you have for yourself. And I felt really guilty. And one of the things I did, and I've never seen a basketball coach do this, but I actually ended up writing an apology note to that person who was in charge of that meet. And, and um, it, it became water under the bridge and actually inc- uh, uh, it made it for a better friendship between us two. So, you know, I think the way I want to treat officials, I've learned how, you know, which coaches I like and, and, and so forth and how they treat officials. Yeah, that's a good point. And and speaking of coaches, uh, our season is getting kicked off in Ohio, and you know we've gone through just about the same things that all the other schools have gone through that are currently playing basketball. And we've had our own issues with cancellations and replacements and so forth. Talk a little bit about how uh, your season's been going, and um, any special situations or anything that that has happened that you want to talk about. Well, I've been pretty blessed, I think, uh, this year. Um, uh, in with my family situation, where I have, I have four little little ones at home. I I kind of pared back the number of games that I was doing uh, from years past, and so far this season, I've only had two or three games lost. Now I've had some games where they've rescheduled. Um, I've had some games where the opponents aren't the same as what it said originally on the contract. Um, but again, I've been I've been pretty blessed in the fact that I haven't lost many. I know there are guys out there who've lost way more than I have. Yeah, they, they really have, and I I know just today alone, um, you know, I've I've seen some uh, cancellations and uh, both from officials, cancellations from schools, some rescheduling. So I think that's just going to be the common theme this year as we go uh, about the season. Um, before we get to the pregame, there is one thing that I want to talk about, and I think the fellow officials are going to get a, a really good chuckle out of this. So, I, And I never would talk about this if, if I didn't know about it. So um, so forgive me on this one, Joe. But uh, you had an incident where you met up with a fellow official uh, at, at a parking lot as you two traveled to the game together. And so you drove a half hour, went to the parking lot. Both of you met up there. You hopped in the car. You drove... Uh, an hour and a half away, I think, or two hours away. So I'll let you take it kind of from there. <laughs> okay, so, and I know exactly what incident you're, you're talking about. Um, uh, myself and another official, um, well, actually, we met at Taco Bell in parking lot 15 minutes away. And uh, from the point of Ohio, we drove down to Vandalia Butler, which I am thinking is probably two and a half hours or so. Um, we... We ended up riding with the third official all three of us met at that Taco Bell parking lot. And um, we did the game. The game went well. well. And uh, after the game, I couldn't find my keys. <laughs> so I, uh, I searched and I searched and I searched and I searched. I mean, I tore apart the locker room. I, I went through the trash. I 
Um, I went through my bag. Uh, I actually <laughs> tore apart the guy's back seat looking for him because I thought maybe they'd slipped in there. And we went out to eat. And you want to talk about a sick feeling while you're eating, not knowing where your keys are. Um, so we we drove all the way home. And as I got closer to home, I kept thinking, um, gosh, I wonder if I just left them in the car. I wonder if I left them in the car. Now, to, to add to the story, um, when I uh, when we got back, it had snowed. And I bet you there was two inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> and uh, so I looked at my car and there's no snow on it. And so I went to go get in. I was like, this is interesting. I pull on the, the door handle and it's locked. Oh, great. Well, there was a note from the police on the inside of the door. And it said, uh, we have your keys, sir. Please give us a call. So I called them. Now, here's the issue. I am standing outside my car. Uh, no keys. The police station is probably a 30 minute walk away and it's cold out. So one of the officials gave me a ride to the police station and uh, uh, they asked for ID and I gave them the ID and they asked me for uh, proof of registration. I said, well, that's kind of tough because my registration is inside the car, which is locked. And so he handed me the keys back and I said, I, I, I just have one question. He goes, well, this is what happened is, um, we had a call that there was a car running out in the parking lot. And so we went and checked it out. We thought, okay, maybe the person's inside. And he goes, about three hours later, we came back around and it was still running. <laughs> <laughs> I had asked him previously. I'd said to him, I said, you know, a lot of people leave their keys in the car. Why did you take mine? And so he explained that. <laughs> and I looked at him and I, I said, I was just trying to keep it warm. <laughs> he did not find humor in that. Um, but uh, yeah. He, last thing he said, if you gave him the keys, he said, you might want to go fill it up with gas. I'm not sure if you'll make it all the way home. <laughs> so I, I drove and filled it up with gas and drove home. And unfortunately, you know, when you're riding with two other veteran officials, those kind of stories are definitely going to get out. <laughs> and uh, in our area, I mean, this probably happened over a decade ago. In our area, I, I still constantly hear about that. And now that it's on this podcast, I'm sure I will hear about it from more people um <laughs> over and over again but you know i usually you know the, the one i got for a while around here is hey alan where's your keys and so yeah i usually said in my car don't worry so, so yeah. at least you know your car runs for three hours straight right and just yeah, on idle yeah. and it's all yeah. good all right well so we're gonna uh, we're going to head to the pregame uh, right now. So before we head to the pregame, though, we want to hear from Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC, our major sponsor. Hey, Ref. If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding extrusion, or blow-molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. So we begin the pregame, and we always begin with the official talking about their journey into officiating. So, Joe, talk a little bit about your journey, how you got into the basketball officials arena. Well, what's funny is when I was 18, I really thought about doing this. Now, you got to realize when I, when I played, I was not very good, first and foremost. Um, uh, I was the guy who, every time a foul was called on me, I, I gave the officials kind of that, yeah, 
wouldn't say it was a dirty look, but like a blank stare, like what did I do kind of thing. Um, so I turned 18 and, and I loved the game of basketball and I wanted to continue doing something with basketball. So I actually got in, in contact with a guy by the name of Dane Bowers, who was the guy who did all the junior high games at, at my local school, uh, which was Wasian. And uh, Dane gave me the name of a guy by the name of Ned Ewers. Now, I contacted Ned, and first call came, and I didn't even show up. So I decided, you know, at that point in time, I was in college. I, I didn't know if that was for me. Well, four years went by, and, um, you know, all I really wanted to do was coach basketball. And uh, what ended up happening is I got a job at Wasian, and there were no coaching positions open. So on the advice of my mother, uh, she said, why don't you take the officiating class? Even if you don't like officiating and you become a basketball coach, it would do you well to know the rules. Um, my mom is, is full of phenomenal advice. So uh, I ended up taking the class. And um, in that class, I think it was already mentioned uh, in a previous podcast that you know, there, were, there was a guy by the name of Jake Linder who ended up being a pretty good official out of that class. Um, and taught by Ned Dewars and ended up, um, actually it was encouraged by another guy by the name of uh, Derek Kruger to take the class, who's a pretty good football official, and, and took the class. And uh, my first year, I, I pretty much tried to just take junior high games. You know, as a first-year teacher, you're not making a lot of money. Um, so I, you know, I just, I, I'm be honest, I didn't want to get into a varsity game and really screw something up or a JV game and really screw something up. So I, I just worked uh, junior high games, and I took a ton of games uh, at Liberty Center Junior High. I was hired, hired by a person by the name of Pat Light there, and I took a ton of games at Archbold. Uh, I was hired by their AD and head basketball coach, uh, Doug Krause, there, and I took some games even at my home school at Wauseon. So your first game probably was a junior high game. Do you remember that? Yeah, actually, I have kind of a funny story in that I worked at Wasion, and uh, it was a junior high game, and in Wasion, um, uh, you know, I got changed in the little coaching room there, coaching office, and uh, went out and officiated the game, and the one thing I remember, uh, two things I guess I could say I remember, uh, I was with Randy Snow, and Randy Snow was a longtime junior high official who was never, ever registered. Okay. Um, uh, and he, we always called it the snowbird travel. He called the travel in a certain way. Um, Randy has since passed away of, of lung cancer. But I remember the first time a coach called a timeout and, you know, you go through the class and you work on all these signals and you do them in the mirror. I didn't know what to do. So I literally signaled for a technical foul and pointed at the coach. And Randy came over as quickly as Randy could. He's like, are you calling a technical? I said, no, he called a timeout. He goes, well, I'll talk to you at halftime on how to actually signal that. So um, learned a little bit there. And then uh, the second time, um, the second game I really kind of wanted to talk about was my first JV game. Um, so still first year officiating. I'd done a bunch of junior high games and I was taking tickets at, at um, my, my home I was working at. And the AD came up to me and he looks at me, he goes, you need to go home. Why do I need to go home? What, what did I do wrong? You know? And I sat there and I just looked at him and I said, well, why? 
and he goes, I need you to go home and get your officiating stuff. And I was like, why did the official forget something? <laughs> well, <laughs> needless to say, neither JV official had shown up. Oh, so luckily I only lived about two blocks away. And I said, I said to the AD, I said, well, who's going to take tickets? And he's like, don't worry about that. I got people that can take tickets. It's your fishing stuff. So I went home, grabbed my fishing stuff, came back, changed very, very quickly. Um, uh, and, uh, literally walked out on the court with like one minute left to go. Didn't even have a pregame with the captains walked, waved at my, uh, the, the JV basketball coach who was one of my old coaches. He kind of looked at me weird and <laughs> went out and did the game, did the first like three or four minutes by myself. And then the, one of the other JV showed up and he helped me. And uh, yeah, the rest was kind of history. The next <laughs> night I looked at another JV. So we got out and, you know, we went from there. Wow. So, um, so you hit your first JV game in your first year. How many years did it take you to get up to varsity and talk a little bit about your first varsity game? Well, uh, I did not take a varsity game. Um, I think it was my sixth or seventh year. I, I worked junior high, freshman, JV. Um, I, I'm be honest. I didn't think I was good enough to work varsity. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to see plays. I wanted to learn. Um, and, and I didn't want to jeopardize, you know, really making a big mistake uh, working a, a varsity game. And I saw sometimes the way that even head coaches, uh, head varsity coaches treated younger officials and, and so forth. So I kind of stayed away from it. And the story goes, is I was working a scrimmage at a town 15 minutes away. And it was like a preview. And, uh, Mark Fralick was also at that scrimmage, all right? And uh, what ended up happening is after the scrimmage was over, Mark said, well, how many varsity games you got this year? And I looked at him, I said, I don't varsity. And uh, he goes to me, he goes, well, you should. <laughs> and I said, do you really think I'm good enough? And he, he said, oh, yes, you're good enough. And uh, that kind of started a partnership between uh, Mark Fralick and myself. Uh, I'm working on the games and uh, Mark really became kind of a mentor towards me uh, at, at that point in time um, which leads me to my first varsity game so I, I worked with JV most of that season and uh, about halfway through right around Christmas time I should say it that way I uh, I was working a JV game and after the game I was sitting there and I had, I got my class one at like my second or third year officiating because everybody said, you need to get your class one just in case. Well, I got that class one and, uh, the varsity official, one of them didn't show up and I'm going to be honest. My first varsity game, I probably was in over my head. Uh, I had two coaches that I consider somewhat of bulldogs at the time. Um, uh, and you know, I call a lot of jump balls. That's one thing I remember everything, you know, if it was close and I thought that, Two kids were going to go to the floor. I called a jump ball. Nowadays, I probably let that play out a little bit. So you came up with it. Um, the next night, I had my first scheduled varsity game, and that was a, a varsity game two hours away from home. And uh, it was two man. It was girls uh, down at a town called Marion Harding, the, the lady presidents, and it snowed all day long and i got this call from them at lunchtime i was eating lunch at, at the school and 
the AD said, so you know, we're, we're still playing this game. So, I mean, I left right after school, and it took me probably three hours to make a two-hour drive. I mean, I was slipping and sliding all over the place. And get down there, and I officiate the game, and it all went well. And, um, you know, it, it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Now, later that year, and, and this is sometimes to move up, you got to have a little bit of dumb luck. Later that year, um, the guy that I was working as a JV for, his name was Keith Van Horn, ended up tearing his ACL. And uh, when Keith went down, he said, well, you're a class one, you've worked some varsity games, I'm going to give you all my varsity games, you get the JV to replace you. So I got a JV official to replace me. Um, and I worked with uh, a lot. Keith's main partner was a guy that I know, Randy Bach. And Randy um, kind of watched over me those first few games uh, on the boys' side. Uh, and then next year, he was assigning a league. He gave me a bunch of games in the league, which, you know, that's always nice to have a, a signer give you games in the league. And so from there, I, I moved and started to get more varsity games. I remember it took me two or three years, though, before I went to a straight varsity schedule. Um, so let's say year six, seven, and eight, I still worked JV games. I, if I got a call from an AD and said, hey, Joe, we need a, a official, I, I, I'm there. I don't care if it was junior high, freshman, uh, JV, or, or varsity. I was going because, again, I just wanted to see play. Uh, you know, you talk about seeing different plays. Tell us a little bit about maybe one or two lessons that you learned early in your career that really made a big impact on you as an official. Well, I think early in my career, um, uh, I had a mentor who, who uh, early on kind of came up and he took notice of me. And one of the things that I, I was flashy and, and hyper, okay? Um, I was the ADHD official out there. I mean, <laughs> bouncy, way too bouncy and that kind of stuff. And he really took me under his wing and uh, he talked to me a lot uh, about just calming down and, and, and my appearance out on the floor. And, you know, I used to be incredibly animated in terms of, uh, of calling a, a, a charge, for example. And he, he's the one, he put it on video and he goes, uh, you know, I had somebody else put it on video, but he showed me the charge call and he goes, okay, you call this charge in favor of the home team. All right. So the home team was on defense. The home crowd goes nutsos. What do you think that he goes? It sounds like you're flaunting it in the face of, of, of the away team. What do you think that coach is thinking? What do you think those fans are thinking? It's almost like you're rooting against them. So um, that was a big early lesson. It, it just it just calmed down. He actually sent me a video, a YouTube video of this ref that was way over animated, um, and and with the question. Uh, just a real simple question, how long before this becomes you? And Because when I started slowing myself down, the game started slowing down too. That was a really big early lesson is that I just need to calm down. And I'll be honest, when I started calming down, um, A, I think part of that came with age, but B, it allowed me to see the game a lot better. Since we're in the pregame section, uh, talk a little bit about what you're this is kind of funny me asking this because I know what your pregame is, but talk a little bit about uh, the importance of a pregame and, and what you talk about in your pregame um, throughout the season. Well, uh, first of all, I got to say, if, if people are new to the podcast and they're listening to this first time and they want to know about a good for the game, 
go back and listen. I don't know what episode it was, but Ralph Green yep. just absolutely rocked it. Yep, he did. Um, you know, I, it was, I almost wanted to record it and take it to our games <laughs> and, and, and put it out so people could listen to it. You have to have a pregame to feel comfortable. You know, I start off by talking uh, with my partners about has anybody had either of these teams? All right. What are their tendencies? What do we have to look for? You know, if they're pressing, for example, let's make sure our center is healthy. Um, I talk a lot about the center being active and and working his area. Talk about trusting your partners, all right? Um, you know, I thought, and I don't think Tim Gephardt had said this in his his uh, podcast, but I heard him say somewhere, have the three Ds going on. All right, if you're going to call your area, be late, be sure, be needed was the last one. Um, meaning that if, if you're going outside your area, get a whale. And we talk about that a little bit in the pregame. Uh, we talk about trying to let the athletes get into a flow. You know, if you're going to call travel, make sure and make sure it's 120. percent I always used to joke around that my grandma, who knows nothing about basketball, sitting up at the top row uh, with her glasses off, goes, "Ooh, I think that was a travel." Uh, I'm not saying don't call travel. All right, I'm saying get the big ones, get the ones uh, that that you need to get talk a little bit about game management and I think that's so important uh, you know when I was an early official you know I hate to say it this way but I was kind of playing checkers uh, game management is the chess part of it seeing two or three moves ahead right uh, I once heard a really good official say that that uh, you, you really good game managers really good officials are really good game managers and those game managers can manage the players they can manage the coaches and they can even to an extent manage the crowd. And, and I always thought that was really, really good. Um, yeah. If you can get your game into a flow. So we'll talk a lot about trying to get the game into a flow. Um, we talk about letting the players be players and, um, you know, doing our best to, to, to stay out of the way. We talk about what happens in, in a technical foul type situation that if it's on the coach, get that guy away, have him go across the lane, have him administer the free throw, but get him away. All right, have somebody over go over to the coach and say, Coach, you need to, you know, by, by rule, you need to take a seat. Um, we talk about dealing with coaches, talking to coaches. I think you got to realize with coaches that, you know, you, you, they just want to be heard. They've invested way more than we even have into the game. All right. You know, we, we reiterate that fact. If you call that technical on a player, go over to the coach and tell them what happened. So a lot of times the coach doesn't know what happened and explain why the technical came about. Um, and then we just talk about, you know, just going out there hustling and getting into position, you know, and, and doing those kind of things. Well, Matt's our sponsor with his company, PQ2 LLC, and uh, we'll be right back. Well, that puts the end to our pregame. We are going to head to the first quarter. And, Joe, you know Matt Kearns, right? I do know Matt. Ever have a thought while you're listening to this podcast? Man, I really wished he would ask this specific question. Well, if there's a question that you would like to ask an official, let me know. Uh, send an email with your question to markfralick at hotmail.com. That's mark, M-A-R-K-F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H at hotmail.com. Please include your name and where you're from, and I will ask one of the officials in an upcoming episode uh, your question.
Hey Ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com. Our first quarter, we talk a little bit about coaches and communications, which is really important as we go. Joe touched on that a little bit uh, in the pregame section about how that's important and how we deal with the coaches. Uh, And I probably can talk a little bit more candidly about this because I know early in your career, Joe, you were kind of noted for distributing the technical file quickly to coaches. We talked a little bit about that uh, at our game this week, and, and that's obviously not the case now. So talk a little bit about dealing with coaches earlier in your career as opposed to today and what's been some of the more beneficial things that have worked for you in your learning procedure in dealing with coaches. I I think part of the reason that I gave so many technicals is that maybe I wasn't the best communicator I could have been. And, uh, you know, in our profession, we have to, we have to be people persons, I guess you could say, um, you know, we have to read people, we have to understand people and we are in the business of communication. Okay. Uh, that's what we do. And you can communicate with your voice. You can communicate with your tone of voice. You can communicate with, with, um, you know, your body language. But I, I think we have to, and, and I think what I started to realize is that again, and I think a lot of your, your uh, podcast up to this point, Mark, have mentioned this, is we have to re- respect what the coaches are doing. We hope that they respect what we are doing. And I think the longer we work, as they call it, earn your stripes, the more they come to respect you and, and, and the role that you played in the game. But we have to respect what the coaches do. They put lots of hours in. I was just talking to our basketball coach here at Washington um, the other day, and he talked about, how much film he's watched for the game that's coming up tonight, actually. And, um, you know, going over the scouting report, and even he talked a lot about with COVID, how he's meeting with his kids online and doing stuff like that to prep them as much as they can so, you know, we can avoid quarantines and stuff like that here at Washington. But, you know, we have to respect them for that. The other thing is, and I once heard Lou Holtz say, God gives you uh, two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to double the amount of listening we do. And I think sometimes coaches just want to know that they're being listened to. Um, so, you know, I had a situation with a coach uh, a few years ago, well, when I was pretty young, and uh, as a coach I really respected, and he was getting on me. Uh, basically what's happening was he was winning a district game, and one of his players got in foul trouble, and very quickly a uh, 12-point lead went to a, a two-point, they're down by two. And he came out and he kind of got on me. I can't say came out, but he came, he stood up the coaching box and he kind of got on me. And, and I said to him, you know, uh, Kirk, I, I may not have an answer for you, but I'll listen to what you have to say. 
And it was after the game that he told me he really liked that answer. Um, so, you know, we have to recognize them, you know, and, and let them know we're listening to them. Uh, and we can do that, you know, how many times have we seen it in three-man where coach starts to yell across the, the court? And, you know, I would like it when my partner says, Joe will talk to you, but just wait until he gets over there. What that does is that brings that coach down because he has time to think about it. You know, if you can deal with the coaching and, and get them refocused on, on the game, that's good. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, I think some of my patience has come from the fact that I'm a parent. Um, I once had officials tell me, you just wait till you become a parent, all right, and uh, you'll, you'll calm down and you'll become more patient. I think that that, that is helpful. Um, I think some of that is age and wisdom. Um, you know, I just, you, you, you kind of start to learn to talk to them. And, and the better you can talk to them, the better things are going to be. You know, and if you kick a play, you really, truly kick a play, it's tough to yell at you if you go over and you can admit to a coach. You know, coach, probably should have had that one. I had a game uh, a few years ago uh, where it, it was it was basically that. Their best player fouled out. Coach didn't think it was fair. Um, uh, I was the veteran official on the crew, and I just walked over and said, "What you got? Just you know, don't yell at me, all right? But but lay it on me, and, you know. Let me hear what you got." And the coach spewed. I will put it that way, and it just brought his temperament down. I also think dealing with other people or working with other officials who are really good with working with coaches helps a lot as well. You can ask them. How did you bring that coach down? I mean, he just had jumped three feet off the ground and wasn't happy. How did you get him from there, jumping off a cliff to, to there? And veteran officials will share with you what they do. And most of the time they said, I just went over and talked to him. All right. Um, there's no secret. I just went and talked to him. And, and again, when you talk, it's mainly listening. Um, I once had, a, uh, again, a mentor tell me uh, that you don't have to give a technical if you can get them to do what you want them to do. And I thought that was really good advice. So yeah, the coach might have been upset and he might have made you really angry, but did you get that coach to calm down? Did you get him to do what you wanted to do? If you did, you didn't need to give him technical. That ends our first quarter. We're going to head to the second quarter. And before we do that, we want to hear from PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref. Objectivity, integrity, and experience, all hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. Second quarter, we talk about basketball players and the communication that we have with the with the players. So, Joe, uh, talk a little bit about how you communicate with basketball players uh, on, that are on the floor and what has helped you the most in communicating with those players. Uh, again, you got to realize those kids are really, really invested in the game. Um, and I think that that, that does help. Uh, you know, I once had an official tell me, you know, if the behavior needs to be dealt with, go deal with it. And, you know, so the, 
I think you have to to deal with behaviors of, of athletes that are that are off key. You know, you want to get the game in, in, into a flow. And if you can do that by being proactive and you're officiating, you know, just mentioning like, watch hands, watch hands, all right, before they put the hands on, that's being proactive. You know, if you can talk a kid out of the key on three seconds when he's been there four or five, you know, that's being proactive. But the one thing you have to be careful of when dealing with players is you don't want to be accused of coaching them. Uh, so you, uh, you always got to be really, really careful of, of that aspect. Um, you know, you don't want the coach to say, why are you coaching my kid? Because that's not our job. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, again, I look for those those behaviors. I look for the kid that you can tell in warm-ups who your leaders are because other kids do what they do. Um, you know, uh, do they listen to them? You know, they carry themselves differently. And so those are the kids I look for early on. And if I can deal with those leaders, a lot of times the rest of the problems take care of themselves. Yeah, that's true. So can you identify some of the times maybe um, in the game where the, the proactive officiating is beneficial to you? Well, I think I just talked a little bit about three in the key. I think I just talked about um, uh, watching the hands a little bit. Um, you know, uh, when I go in there for a free throw and I'm administering free throw, I just tell them, hey, guys, go straight up. You know, those are the kind of things that, that help them out. And, you know, if a kid has a question on a foul, you know, tell them why you called it. I think that does help. Or uh, I had an example of a game the other day where um, the kid got called for a foul and he just he doing the whole, like, you're holding your hands out, like, what? And he just kept doing it. And I walked over to that kid and I said to him, you know, hey, let's not do that because that looks bad. And I said, B... And I, the call is what the call was. I think uh, Wayne Horsley might have said, like it and love it kind of thing. And the call was probably a like it type call. And I said to the kid, I said, you know, you probably have fouled a lot tonight and gotten away with it. If you get a cheap one here, it's no biggie. And the kid just settled down. He's like, you know, you're right. So, again, you know, uh, that calming voice, that soothing voice. Um, if you have a kid really upset on something, you know, ask him what he had. Right, they're going to tell you the truth most of the time. You can tell which players are, are there to tell you the truth and which ones won't. Yeah, those are some great points and and really answered uh, some of the future questions that I had because you know the, just that communication with the kids um, and some of the examples uh, th that you just mentioned are perfect for dealing with those kids because they they're kind of like coaches, wouldn't you agree? They just want to be heard. Yeah, they want to be heard, especially your leaders. Um, uh, and they want to be acknowledged uh, that they were heard. And it, again, if you can if you can change the behavior during the game um, and get that kid on your side, you know that's huge. Uh, you know it, it just makes the game again go into that flow that you want to get it into. Right. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will head to the third and fourth quarters, followed by post game and the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey ref, this is Matt Kearns and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, 
There's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Welcome back for the third quarter. In the third quarter, we talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. But before we get to the questions, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this. Hey, ref, rule one, section A, article three, in the project management rule book says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. Well, let's talk a little bit in the third quarter about officials and the communication amongst the officials uh, with each other. Um, what can officials do, Joe, to improve that cohesiveness during the during the basketball game? Well, I think first and foremost is you know if you're working with somebody new, you know, make a state of of, uh, of including them in the conversation. All right, especially I think a lot of guys work with a partner or two partners. Now, if you're bringing somebody in new to the group, make sure that you include them in conversation. There's nothing worse than being pushed completely out of the conversation. Um, make sure you know their names. Uh, I think that improves cohesiveness. Um, knowing somebody's name so you can, yeah, hey, what'd you have here? You know, Mark, what'd you have here? You know, so-and-so, Johnny, Johnny boy, what'd you have? And uh, they tell you that that's, that, you know, that improves that cohesiveness. Uh, but again, you got to know the person's name. You got to refer to the person by name. And you, you never want that person to feel like an outsider in your crew. What advice would you give younger officials uh, moving up from the lower levels to the varsity ranks? Well, from my story early on, you know, don't rush. Okay. You will get there. Um, There's a correct way to do it. And I I believe the, the most correct way. And I think a lot of guys rush there and they get there too soon and then they have bad experiences and then they want to give it up. I, I think the the most correct way to do that is whatever level you're working at, work as if you're working at the highest level possible. All right. So if you're working a junior high game, work like you're working the, uh, the state championship. Hustle. Look good. Look the part. Um, I think that's that's a big part of it. You know, the, the first thing people see in us is does that guy look like an official? To an extent. To an extent, that is something we can control. Um, so again, you know, you know, work hard. Somebody will take notice of you working at the junior high and working hard, and they'll be more likely to offer you a freshman game. And when you work the freshman game, you know, work hard at the freshman game. You're going to be more likely to be uh, offered JV games, and then work hard at the JV game. And once you get to the JV level, then you have varsity officials who are showing up to the games and watching you, and you know. I think if you can impress the varsity official, you're going to get more games that way. 
right? And once you get into that that varsity level, you know, then it's about, okay, I'm going to try to impress assigners and so forth and ADs, and you do the little things right, you know, show up to the game looking nice, business uh, attire type. Now, I'm not talking tuxedo or anything like that. Can you just imagine some dude showing up in a tuxedo? <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, uh, khakis and, and a nice shirt uh, or a quarter zip or something like that. Um, and, and looking presentable, sending that email beforehand to the ADs saying, hey, I'm going to be here. This is about the time I'm going to be here. Um, you know, they appreciate that. They get nervous uh, when the official isn't there and, and they haven't heard from them. Um, you know, communication, communication, communication is, is, is what we had to do. This is the quarter that, uh, that we talk about, um, uh, officials. And so I, I like to have a, a guest answer questions from officials. So if any officials are listening and you have a question for future officials, please email me at markfralick at hotmail.com. And we will include that question, uh, to a future officials. In the meantime, I pulled this one off of Facebook. And uh, I wanted to see what your thoughts are on this. I've been officiating high school for five years now after coaching for 15. I feel like I improve every year, but there is one thing that I know I need to work on. My question is, what are some things you do to stay sharp and remain focused when the game is a complete blowout? That's a good question. Um, Again, I think that you as an official have to be very self-aware of who you are, you know, whether it be dealing with coaches, whether it be, you know, dealing uh, with players, you have to know who you are. Um, you can't be, you know, I can't be Mark Freilich. I can't be uh, some of these other guys that I work with. I have to be Joe Allen. Um, so you have to know what your strengths as an official are. You have to know what your weaknesses are. And in a blowout, what I like to do is I like to put, pick out some things that I think are a weakness, maybe one or two things, and be like, okay, I'm really going to focus on improving this weakness during this blowout. I'm going to keep officiating the game, obviously, but I'm going to focus on improving this weakness. I'm going to see if I can catalog plays, if I can identify certain plays. If I can, and even as, a, as an official, if I can focus on maybe – what kind of offensive set are they running? Have I picked up on this yet? Have I identified this yet? But you start working on those little things. Maybe it's clock management. You start working on those little things, and also you get better at them, and also it just becomes a natural part of the game. Joe, you talked about one interesting thing there I think officials uh, would be interested in hearing about, and you talked about cataloging plays. So talk a little bit about what that means and how that has helped you as an official. So cataloging plays, what that means is this is the difference between being just a great play caller and a, and a kind of a great game manager. Um, I think, uh, and again, I, I mentioned like playing checkers versus playing chess earlier. Now, I'm not a very good chess player, you know, but chess players, what they do, is they see two, three, four moves ahead. And in cataloging plays, you, you kind of start to do that. You know, you're taking your officiating from level 101 up to 501, you know. Um, but the one thing I think coaches want out of us more than anything else is probably consistency. You know, you, one of the things they complain about is, well, you called this on this end and then you let it go on that end. Um, well, cataloging plays allows us to, to work on that consistency. It, it allows us to remember plays 
it's the working on remembering plays throughout the game um, and how we ruled on them, okay? You know, if we had a bang-bang black charge against, let's say, green, okay? It went against green, all right? And three or four plays later, we go down the court, and there's another bang-bang. I mean, it's quick, black charge. Well, probably shouldn't make it against green, all right, um, unless it, it, it's a, it's a no doubter. All right, now that that there's a difference there, um, but again, cataloging plays just allows us to remember how we ruled previous on di- different plays throughout the games, so that we can be as consistent as we possibly can be throughout the game. That is the end of quarter number three. We're going to head to fourth to the fourth quarter, but first we want to have you hear this. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. Welcome back to the fourth quarter. And uh, Joe, we go with the scenario right away in the fourth quarter. Uh, Everybody is probably familiar with this. But the game's tied at 60. There's five seconds to go in the game. Team A has the inbound underneath their own basket and has called timeout. You gather your partners together during the timeout. What are you going to tell them? Well, first of all, we only have so much time. So I don't want them like reiterating like, oh, this just happened. Oh, did you see that slam dunk? That's so awesome. You know, that we got to make sure that's that's out of the picture. Like, okay, we're on to the future plays because that's what we have to be prepping for. Um, first thing I do is that let's go over our responsibilities. Okay, let's make sure that one guy knows the clock started. Let's make sure that uh, we are, we're chopping time at the right time on the inbounds. Let's talk about, okay, what players do we think this is going to? Uh, let's talk about um, uh, any tendencies we've seen in the offense. Uh, uh, on certain plays, whether it be after timeouts or um, inbound plays after timeouts or just throughout the game, okay? Um, you know, uh, let, let's talk about, hey, they can catch, they can dribble maybe a few times even. All right, they can make a few passes, all right? Let's make sure that all three guys have an opinion on if the shot got, was off, all right? Because um, we got to get that right, obviously. Um, so, that those are the major things and then if the shot goes in hey does the opposing team have a timeout and is somebody looking at the coach if there's going to be time and is somebody looking at the clock and i i think that's you know kind of settles that one you know in games that are tight like this so you know it's a tense situation so what kind of things do you do on the court to remain calm and focused during these tense situations yeah, um, uh, there's a few things. Uh, and I, I took this one from Ryan Damon. Um, and not necessarily in that situation, but Ryan Damon is a, is a really good young official from our area. And he talked a lot about 
how uh, when, when he feels his shoulders getting up in his ears during a game, how he, especially at the sea, will take one hand and he'll kind of slide it down the side of his pocket. And that just reminds him to drop his shoulders and to relax. Because when we're relaxed, we, we see things better. Um, we can make better judgments. We can think better. Our, you know, our blood is running better through our body. Um, you know, when you get up tight, you can't think as calmly and as clearly. Uh, the other thing I, I try to do is like uh, during a timeout, and there are times during the game that you know I'm not saying that uh, you lose focus, but you can you can relax your focus a little bit. Um, during a timeout, I might do uh, some RPR, which is reflexive performance reset, which is something I got from from coaching tracks, uh, where I'll do three what's called belly breathing, right, which is basically big old deep breaths. But uh, they have shown that through that that you can bring your blood pressure down, you can relax it, getting more oxygen into your muscles, uh, and so forth. So um, yeah, those deep breaths, you know, and, and then I just look around sometimes and think, man, I'm having fun. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of my favorite things to do, especially in a packed house. Um, in a big gymnasium when you can look around and say man we are fortunate to do what we do uh, I love that so in that realm of thinking when you look at officiating uh, what do you gain from it professionally and, and maybe even in your personal life and I, I don't want to go too much into the personal life because I want to talk about that in the post game but what are some of the things that you gain from officiating well, I, I think that it has taught me to in the moment um, that, that we're in. Uh, it's taught me that, again, if you can get people to do what you want them to do, you, you don't have to go to the extreme punishment. Uh, and as a teacher, um, you know, I think there's a huge correlation between uh, managing a classroom and managing a game, um, you know, uh, and, and managing all the things that go on in your classroom versus all the things that go on in a game. So I, especially in the education realm, and, and we often talk about the OHSAA here in Ohio, how it's education-based athletics. And I think that we as officials play a part of that. And, you know, I'm lucky, I'm blessed that I get to, to go and teach as well and, and really play a huge role in that. And, um, you know, just be a part of something bigger than myself. And we have finished four quarters of basketball. We are going to head to the post game, and we'll be right back. Hey, ref, good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. Post game begins and Joe, this might be our favorite part. The uh, we, we talk a lot about the brotherhood, the sisterhood of officiating the drives to the game, the post-game destination, the drives home, all of that stuff that's the favorite part uh, really of a lot of officials, the things that we look forward to when doing uh, basketball games. Talk a little bit about that brother and sisterhood. I think that brother and sisterhood is incredibly important. And, and 
you know, the trust that you can gain during that brother and sisterhood that, that happens in the post game drives. And, and sometimes, you know, we get lucky enough that we can go out to eat with each other. You know, uh, I remember as a young man who wasn't married yet, listening to some of the guys like go to games would talk about, you know, their wives and, and, and the right way to treat their wives. And I remember listening to guys talk about, you know, raising their children and so forth and so on. And I just was, you know, banking all that information. So as, you know, I got married and had kids and so forth and so on, you know, that information was all there for me and I could, uh, you know, draw on those past experiences. Um, again, you know, you can have a lot of fun at the post game. You can learn a lot that you don't necessarily get to learn about uh, a person on the floor. And the more you get to learn about a person, uh, the more you can trust them. What's the best advice that you ever received from a basketball official? Um, from another basketball, man, there, there's so many. <laughs> you know, I think about Denny Morris and some of the advice he's given me. Um, I think about, you know, uh, some of the advice that I've gotten from you, Mark. Um, but the one in terms of officiating uh, came from a guy by the name of Bill Bradish. And Bill was a really, really good longtime official. And I got my first state boys game with Bill. And I think we were working a D1 district finals at, at the University of Toledo. And uh, you could just tell one of these guys were studs, probably maybe some of the biggest stud athletes I've ever seen. And Bill walked over to me, and you want to talk about a calming influence. He goes, hey, have you ever officiated guys like this? I said, well, maybe once or twice. He's like, well, just remember, do what got you here. There's a reason they have chosen you to do this game. You know, don't change up based on what you think needs to be called. Call it the way you have, and things will be all right. And I just remember that calming influence. And I remember that about Bill a lot is that, you know, he kind of just brought a guy who was like, oh, this is intense, down and, and, and made it so I could officiate the game. Yeah. Joe, talk a little bit about uh, conditioning and workouts. Uh, for officials. We know that that's a big deal in preparation for the season, both during the season and off the season. You're a big, uh, well, you're a cross country and track coach. You run yourself. Talk a little bit about the conditioning and, and how that should be part of a basketball officials um, on season and off season regiment. Yeah. I, I, I think that a, you know, perception of us is incredibly important. All right. You know, people are going to believe what they perceive about you. All right. Um, so, you know, if you walk in and I hate to say this and you're completely out of shape and you know, you're unkempt and you know, you're, you're not looking like you're prepped to officiate a game. My goodness, we get a year older every year and those kids stay 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, you have to look the part. And, and part of that, and that's one of those things that you can kind of control to an extent. Um, and I think that, that the fitness aspect of that is incredibly important. Now, what I do is not maybe what most people do, but, uh, you know, when I was younger and in my young thirties, you know, I would, I would go to a game and then I come home and I realized that in my young thirties, I wasn't, I wasn't married yet. And I go out, I'd run three miles still. So I was in great, great shape then. Now life has obviously changed a little bit. So, um, I'll start in the summer. Uh, usually in, in early June, and I'll, I'll just start by again putting in three miles, and and then I work up to it, you know. And and by the time uh, basketball season comes around, I'm I'm usually doing you know ab work, I'm doing uh, some push-ups, I'm doing um, 
basically whatever my cross country team is doing. So if they're running 30 miles a week, I'm running 30 miles a week too. Um, you know, uh, and I think that's, that's incredibly important. If I'm putting them through a sprint workout, I'm trying to do it as well. Because again, as I said, those kids, they get, they get, uh, they stay the same age as we get older. You, you talked about when you were in your thirties, you weren't married yet. And obviously things have changed for you, for the listeners. Uh, Joe now has, uh, four children, uh, under the age of six, six. under the age of six. Yes. So, and, uh, and so Joe, things have definitely changed for you. Um, talk, and, and you've got a saint for a wife. I've got to tell you that you've got a saint for a wife. So tell us a, li- a little bit about balancing the officiating and, and having a very understanding spouse and how that's important to be able to do what we do. Well, you got to, again, when we talked about communication with coaches, you have to communicate with your spouse too. And I am blessed. I'm very blessed. You know, a lot of situations where things have come up and, and drama has happened. And I go to my wife for advice. And, and it seems like she gives me great advice all the time. Yes, um, uh, you have to put priorities on things in your life. Um, I, I'm trying to remember which one of your speakers talked about faith, family, friends. All right. I would throw actual profession in on that because let's be honest, going off and making $65, 70 a night is not going to pay the bills. Um, it's a little extra cash, but it's not going to pay the bills. So, you know, when you start to put officiating in front of some of those other things, um, things get out of focus and, um, you don't feel good about them. Uh, you know, this is part of the reason that I actually, uh, have stepped back from, from doing girls basketball. Um, I was getting to the point and I had two kids at this point in time and I was driving to games an hour to an hour and 30 minutes away you know, when I'm on Christmas break and my wife's at home with two kids under the age of three at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? All right. And then I get to the game and I, I, I wasn't being fair to the game because my priorities were out of whack. All right. I was putting basketball in front of my family. And so I, I ended up dropping girls. It's not that I didn't enjoy girls uh, basketball, uh, but it was, you know, another 15 nights at home. Uh, during the winter um, to be with my family. And again, I think that part of that happy wife, happy life, and I know for the females, you know, happy spouse, all right, um, it is incredibly important. Uh, you know, I want to see my kids grow up. I, and again, there's too many guys in this profession or, or officials in this profession who are divorced. And I'm not saying officiating caused that, but we, we have to keep everything in perspective and we have to communicate well. You know, and if my wife says, Joe, I think driving two hours away for a game, you might need to think about that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna analyze that, and her and I are gonna talk about it. So you got to keep the lines of communication open. The one benefit I had is I had been officiating mm, ten years before my wife and I got married. So uh, luckily for me, she knew it was kind of part of the deal. <laughs> that helps, doesn't it? Yeah, it does for sure. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Well, that's the end of our post game. We are going to head to the five quick decisions. I think these are always a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to these, Joe, to talk to talk with you about them. But before we get to them, we'll be right back. Hey, Ref, PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. 
Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. Well, welcome back to the five quick decisions. And Joe, we talk about food. Always our first question. Some of the best food that we've received after a ball game. What do you got? Uh, you know, the funny thing is we just got done talking about fitness and, and trying to keep the weight <laughs> off and, and so forth. And then the first thing we go into is talking about food. Um, I would say, first of all, for those outside of the stable, I realize we don't get fed after every game. All right. Um, uh, there are some ADs uh, that treat us really, really well and, and feed us and, and so forth. Cause they realize we're on the road maybe at 4, 4.30 and, you know, we work right through supper time and then we drive home another two hours. Um the best place, best food I've ever had after a game. I'm going to give a shout out to Drew Altimus at Antwerp High School. He used to host a tournament there. Our, our four schools would host a tournament called the Route 49 Classic. And he would give the checkbook to his wife and his neighbor and say, go prep a, uh, a meal. And I worked that two or three years in a row at Antwerp. And uh, it was phenomenal. I mean, lasagna, spaghetti. Uh, a taco bar one year. It, it was just amazing, amazing food. Uh, okay, best facility that you've ever worked a game at, not a college facility, though? Well, I have a two-part to this, okay. and I was super excited for this question. All right, <laughs> uh, The first one is, is uh, actually three-part. The first one is pre-game facility. So before the game even starts, I would have to go to Van Wert High School. Oh, yeah. Their, oh, yeah. Their locker room floors are heated. And um, I'm a guy who likes to use the facilities uh, before the game, and their toilets are the cleanest. I'm telling you what, they are they are top-notch, and there's plenty of room in those locker rooms. Best in-game experience would have to be the Grand Canyon at Napoleon High School. Um, I once worked at a D4 district finals there, and it was uh, uh, Edgerton, who brings a great crowd, and uh, Kalita, who brings a great crowd. And it was so loud in there. Um, you were just part of the atmosphere, um, uh, and so so very loud in there. It was it was awesome. Um, so I would have to say the Grand Canyon because I've been there for games and watched games, and that's just how it is when you pack that place. It just echoes. Um, and then I'm gonna have to go with the college floor here. I'm sorry, Mark. Uh-oh. Anderson Arena and Bowling Green State University. I once got to work a, 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 a regional game there. I think it was. And again, packed place. And Anderson Arena was known as the house that roars. And uh, that night for the high school game, it was roaring. It was so loud. Uh, really, really neat crowd um, uh, that was there. And again, I, I had to put that there. And uh, of course, as a Bowling Green State University grad, you know, getting to work on that floor was pretty cool. You know, they do they do call it the Harvard of the Midwest. <laughs> I've heard that once or twice or three times before, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Go Falcons. Uh, tell me one of the stories. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing that uh, at, at one facility that you were at, you had a name on the restroom door for yourself. Yeah, that, that was Van Wert. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the story goes is one of my partners might have called the head coach and said, "Hey, 
uh, my two partners like to use your toilets a lot. And uh, so the head coach went in and basically made us a name tag for the stalls. And again, completely cracked us up, that's for sure. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mark. <laughs> what's, what's one of the toughest facilities you've ever worked at? I, I'm going to say some of those college floors. Um, uh, just knowing where the, the, the clock is at and knowing you're, you're, as an official, you have to be aware of the information. You know, team fouls, score, time. And, you know, the Stroh Center is not easy to work at, you know. The Schottenstein Center where you have to crank your neck um, uh, to see. I, I Again, I just think some of those college floors are incredibly difficult to work at. Heck, uh, even Ohio Northern is set up differently. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of their center there, but uh, the Kinghorn Center, I think, is what it is. But I, I think working on college floors it can be very, very difficult. Plus, oftentimes, they have the hoop that's kind of set differently. You know, most of the time when you're working on a high school floor, the hoop's coming from the, the rafters. And on a college floor, the hoop's set up so it can be moved off. It's kind of portable, you know, NBA style. And, and I feel like when you're rotating from the lead, you got to work around that. So it's really important when you work on a different floor to get there early so you get a feel of it and you can see where things are at. What's the funniest thing a coach ever said to you? Okay, this actually is kind of uh, <laughs> kind of rips on me a little bit. So uh, the funniest thing a coach ever said, I was working a girls game, and I think it was Fort Jennings and Columbus Grove. No, it was Pandora and Columbus Grove. Now, they're both red and white. And um, uh, the Pandora girl ended up committing her fifth foul. And I got mixed up on which coach was which. And <laughs> I went over to the Columbus Grove coach and said to him, hey, coach, that girl, that, that's her fifth. <laughs> and he starts laughing and he looks at me. He goes, I know. Thank you. <laughs> And so again, I, you know, just one of those. And there was an official I'd worked the night before that his daughter was on the Columbus Grove team, and he was sitting up at the top. And I looked up at him, and he was just rolling because he knew what I had done. So then I had to walk over all sheepishly to the the, the Gilboa coach and say, "Coach, that that was her set." But that's that's one of my favorite coaching stories right there. <laughs> I, I never heard that story, Joe. That was hilarious. So uh, one other funny story that I remember, Joe, and, and I'm going to add this in just because um, you and I know each other. But uh, for those who don't know Joe, Joe and I kind of have been told that we look like brothers on the floor. Oh. And, and so Joe's doing a Joe's doing a game one time at uh, Napoleon High School, and I'm not officiating. And so, Joe, I'll let you take it from there what happened. So Mark's not officiating, and uh, we're – we're doing the game, and I think the coach at the point at the time might have been Greg Merrill. And uh, the whole game, Greg is just yelling, Mark, 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 over and over again. And uh, constantly yelling, Mark. Now, sitting on, on Greg's bench was a guy by the name of Brock Bishop. And, and Brock has known me since we were in high school. Brock actually went to a school in the league. Real nice guy. We've always chit-chatted. And uh, he looks at Brock. And he goes, Brock, how come your buddy Mark isn't answering me? And Brock, because I'm standing right there listening to this whole thing, and Brock goes, because his name is Joe, not Mark. <laughs> and so Greg goes, hey, Joe. And I turned and said, yeah, what do you eat, Greg? <laughs> 
you know, it's just one of those things. And I, and I know we get a lot of, uh, I, it's not grief, but we get a lot of comments from cheerleaders and, and, uh, uh, ADs about, uh, is that, you know, is, is Joe your son or is Joe your brother? So it's I always, used to sell it as, as being the son. And I, since I've lost more hair, you know, <laughs> yeah, can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. Now we're starting to look, uh, about middle-aged again, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been a lot of fun, Joe. It's always good to have a familiar face um, um, on the show as well and, and a familiar voice. So I, I appreciate the time that you were able to uh, spend with me on the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Joe, I, I appreciate the time. I wish you a Merry Christmas. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of uh, good information out of this podcast. Well, I hope I didn't ramble too much for them. And, Mark, you you know, you're doing a great thing here. Um, I really have enjoyed listening to the ones that have been produced so far um, and listening to the guests, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, Greg Austin from California, Dr. Denny Morrison, Tim Gephardt, Ralph Green, and Tracy Lindsay, and Tim McLean, and, and those kind. Of, that's awesome. Um, and, and being able to listen, and I'm learning off of this. And I just, again, I want to thank you for what you're doing here. Um, keep up the good work. Uh, hopefully, some people uh, can can get some things off of my 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 segment here. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile, and God bless. <laughs>